Chapter Six, Part Two of Throckmorton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Suman Barua. Throckmorton by Molly Elliot Sewell. Chapter Six, Part Two. On the drive home, there was perfect silence. Freck made one or two observations to Judith but her cold silence convinced him that it was useless. He was not afraid of her, but he saw no good in pretending to placate her. When they reached Barn Elms and were standing in the cold hall, Judith said to Jacqueline, Go on, I shall be up in a moment. I'll wait for you, replied Jacqueline, doggedly. You may wait, but I wish to speak to Freck privately. I shall take him into the drawing-room. At this Jacqueline went slowly and unwillingly up the stairs. Judith picked up the lamp and went into the dark drawing-room. The fire still smouldered dimly in the great fireplace. Freck took up the tongs and made a vigorous attack on the fire, and in two minutes the flames were leaping around the brass fire-docks. Then he settled himself comfortably in the corner of the sofa judith although her determination was made yet felt timid and her heart beat what excuse can you give she asked in an unsteady voice for your behaviour with that child to-night none whatever answered freck coolly i am not bound to justify myself to you nor do i admit there was anything to be excused you are right in saying you are not bound to justify yourself to me said judith but can you justify yourself to her father and mother you see how she is you know what they what we all think of you you are a married man remember am i asked freck laughing by jove i wish i knew whether i was or not what right have you to fill jacqueline's head with dreams and notions the child was well enough until you came why can't you go away and leave her in peace freck smiled at this i don't feel like going away he said and particularly now that i see you wish me to go i have rather different plans in view now that i have bought property here it doesn't look well for a man to be cast off by his relations and i intend to have if i can the backing of the temples but how long think you could you stay if the child's mother knew of your behaviour to-night that i don't know but i wish to stay madam judith and since you are so prudish i will promise you not look at jacqueline again will that satisfy you i will first see how you keep your promise but i warn you freck if you remain here much longer i shall use all the influence in my power to get you out of this house you are no advantage to the child it would be better for her if you went away and never came back Freck had been sitting all this time while Judith, standing up pale and disdainful, spoke to him, but now he rose. Now, he said with sudden seriousness, since you have expressed that hospitable intention concerning me, let me tell you something, something very interesting, that I have suspected for some time, but only found out to-night. You remember I told you of that death struggle of Beverly's with an officer, how they rolled over and over and fought? yes yes and how the officer's horse held by the bridle i thought every moment would trample yes 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 cried judith well said fred coming up close to her 
throckmorton was that officer freck had meant to give her one fierce pang it was a delicious thing to him to strike her through throckmorton but he was quite unprepared for the result for judith although young and strong after standing for a moment gazing at freck with wild eyes swayed and without a sound dropped to the floor in a dead faint freck cursing his own folly ran to her and called loudly his voice echoed through the midnight silence of the house it brought mrs temple frightened and half-dressed into the room followed by delilah struggling into her petticoats and simon peter scratching his wool and but half away freck had raised judith on his arm something strange like pity of which he knew but little came to him as he looked at her pallid face you git way mars temple said delilah with authority me and mistis kin manage dis here hi miss judy open your eyes honey and tell what the matter with dear mrs temple who never lost her head in emergencies in five minutes had judith in a fair way of coming to herself freck said truthfully that he never was so surprised in his life as when judith fell over mrs temple could not account for it either and proposed to leave the solution to dr wortley when he should be sent for in the morning in a few minutes more judith came to and sat up almost her first conscious glance fell on freck she gazed at him steadily and in an instant the conviction that what he had said was mere wanton cruelty came to her freck himself avoided her glance uneasily honey tell your ole mummy why your hurts you pleaded delilah anxious to take charge of the case in advance of dr wortley nowhere at all i only want to get to bed mother i hope father wasn't waked my dear nothing short of an explosion would wake him mrs temple wisely refrained from tormenting judith with questions her fainting fit was certainly unaccountable but mrs temple remembered once or twice in her own early days when she had done the same thing so she merely gave judith some brandy and water and in a few minutes with delilah's help got her on the old-fashioned sofa while mrs temple and delilah were stirring about the room shutting up for the night and raking the fire down freck came up to judith revenge was familiar to him but not revenge on women and remorse was altogether new to him what i told you he began awkwardly the facts in the case say no more about it i don't believe you answered judith in a low voice but scornful beyond description freck's rage blazed up under that tone you don't believe me then i'll make throckmorton tell you himself i can find it out from him without his suspecting it and i'll make him tell you how he killed your husband judith drew back and gave him a look that was equivalent to a slap in the face just then mrs temple and delilah went out into the hall to make fast the door well then if by any accident you have told me the truth it was the fortune of war yes but the hand that killed your husband ah do you think i don't see it all 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 not only what has happened but what is happening now judith rose slowly from her sofa forgetting her weakness at that moment freck thought he had never seen her look so handsome her eyes usually a soft dark gray were black with indignation her cheeks burned she looked capable of killing him where he stood she opened her lips once or twice to speak but no sound came 
she had no words to express what she felt at that moment freck felt a sensation of triumph at last he had brought this proud spirit to book and throckmorton at least if she scorned himself freck she was forever out of throckmorton's reach there was a gulf between them now that nothing on earth could bridge over he stood in a calm and easy attitude his face only less expressive than judith's nobody who saw freck then could say as mrs temple sometimes had said what is there so interesting in freck's face it was full of power and passion it seemed an age to each as they stood there but it was really only a few moments mrs temple and delilah came back judith nodded to freck and walked off disdaining delilah's arm she felt pride in showing him her strength and composure she even glanced back at him and gave him a smile from her pale lips you have a spirit like a man he cried after her involuntarily mrs temple thought he meant because judith had rallied so quickly from her fainting fit rather a spirit like a woman answered judith in a loud clear voice as she went up the stairs it was some little time before she could get rid of mrs temple and delilah but presently the door was locked and she was alone some power beyond her will drew her steps to the window that looked toward millenbeck the moon had gone down and a few clouds scurried across the pale immensity of the sky whipped by the winds of night there was enough of the ghastly half-light to distinguish the dark masses of the trees and even the outline of the millenbeck house from the window which she knew well enough belonged to throckmorton's own den the cheerful light still streamed he was sitting there reading and smoking no doubt she could imagine exactly how he looked his face when he was silent was rather stern which made the charm of his smile and his words more captivating by contrast and what horror she ought to feel of this man for in spite of that first involuntary protest that she did not believe freck the heart-breaking conviction came to her every moment that he was telling the truth but did she feel horror and hatred of throckmorton ah no and when she tried to think of beverley the feeling that he was dead that he would trouble her no more that he was forever gone out of her life filled her with something that was frightfully like joy but when she remembered that an open grave lay between her and throckmorton it was not something like anguish she felt it was anguish itself here was a man she might have loved a man infinitely worthy of love this much she acknowledged to herself and yet fate had married her to a man she never could have loved for at that moment she saw as by a flash of lightning the falseness of her marriage and her widowhood she dared not think any longer she could only throw herself on her bed and try and stifle among the pillows her sobs and cries and remembering beverley and throckmorton and freck and his words to her that night this gentle and soft-hearted creature sounded all the depths of grief love shame hatred she tried to pray but her prayers if prayers they could be called were mere outcries against the inexorable and unpitying god dear lord what have i done to thee that i should suffer so the night wore on the candles burned out the fire was mere red glow of embers anguish and despair like other passions spend themselves 
judith had ceased to weep and lay on her bed with a sort of icy torpor upon her little beverley who rarely stirred in his sleep waked up and called for his mother but even the child's voice had no power to move her the little boy finding himself unnoticed crawled out of his small bed and came to his mother's side the sound of his baby voice the touch of his little warm moist hands awakened something like remorse in her she tried to help him on the bed but her arm fell helplessly she the strong young woman was as weak as a child with the conflict of emotions the boy however a sturdy little fellow climbed up alone and nestled to her she covered him up and held him close to her and kissed him coldly once or twice my child he killed your father she said to him thinking of throckmorton and that perhaps for the child's sake she might arouse some feeble spark of regret for the father some dutiful hatred of throckmorton but she could do neither the one nor the other at last as a wet miserable gloomy dawn approached she fell into a wretched sleep judith's unexpected fainting fit was a very good excuse for her keeping her room for a day or two a merciful provision for her as along with other new experiences she found for the first time that her soul was stronger than her body and that grief had made her ill she expected in all those wretched hours that she lay in her darkened room that every time the door opened it would be mrs temple coming with a ghastly face to tell her the dreadful thing that freck knew and the mere apprehension made her heart stand still she this candid and sincere woman rehearsed to herself the very words and tones that she would express a grief and horror she did not feel but when several days passed and the explosion did not come she concluded that freck for his own reasons meant to keep it to himself for freck's part he had no intention of telling anybody except judith he had no mind to bring about the storm that would follow his revelation he meant to show judith that gulf between throckmorton and herself and that was all he would have been unfeignedly sorry had the hospitable doors of millenbeck been no longer open to him when judith came downstairs he felt a great curiosity to know how she would meet him he himself was perfectly easy and natural in his manner to her and she to his enforced admiration was equally self-possessed with him although she could not always control the expression of her eyes what a spartan she is thought freck to himself she could die of grief and chagrin with a smile on her lips and with her voice as smooth and musical as the velvet wind of summer end of chapter six part two of throckmorton recording by suman barua